Mazo. This is Allison Schutte. Willow Walsh. And Reagan Skaggs. And you're listening to Welcome Project Radio. The Welcome Project collects first-person stories and pairs them with facilitated conversation to help participants forge stronger ties within and across communities. We envision a world in which people are curious about and actively seek to engage those who are different from themselves. We are proudly underwritten by Asana Yoga Center and Roots Market Cafe, two excellent ways to feel good during a pandemic. They're located online at asanacenter.com and rootsmarketcafe.com. And Roots is open for full in-person business at 108 East Lincoln Way in Valparaiso. And thanks to Kelly and Michael Marakna, who believe in supporting diversity, learning, and growth. They are brand new underwriters to the show. Theme music is provided by WVLP's very own Paul Schreiner. Today, as we bring 2021 to a close, we thought we'd do something a little bit different for this episode. Um, so Allison, do you want to talk about what our plan is for today? Sure. Uh, so typically we listen to a Welcome Project story from the archive, and then we talk about what we think the storyteller really values and wants us to understand. But today we thought we would back our Welcome Project up all the way to the interview. and essentially interview each other on the air about um, since it is solstice today, the day that we are recording this, something about our experience of holy days. And so we thought we would actually launch the conversation today with um, one of Krista Tippett's favorites. She's the host of On Being that many of you I'm sure would know. And she always asks her guests some form of the question, how would you describe the spiritual or religious upbringing of your childhood, or if you didn't have one, if there was any other way in which you encountered the spiritual in your childhood. So let's start there. Do either of you want to begin? Um, I feel like I'd want to pose the question onto you. What was your spiritual card? Okay, well, I can I can go first. So I was raised uh, Lutheran, and in the Lutheran church, there's a couple of different synod bodies. Um, mine that I was brought up in is Missouri Synod Lutheran. So if you're in the spectrum of Missouri's, Missouri, or sorry, Lutheran church bodies, the Missouri Synod is more conservative than the ELCA, um, which for those of you that have any connection to Valparaiso University might understand. Um, yeah, so we were every Sunday churchgoers, and I went to the same church with my grandparents, my mom's dad, mom and dad, and they were deeply embedded, my parents and my grandparents were deeply embedded in that church. So my spiritual upbringing for me was a religious upbringing and like I did Sunday school and did confirmation and went to the Lutheran school for my K through eighth grade experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, spirituality, I guess I didn't understand or think about the difference at the time as a kid, but I look back or I remember thinking as I grew into my teens that I considered myself a very spiritual person. Mm. And so religion was a big part of my life. I think it was often confusing because now I think of religion as more like the institutional way in which 
spirituality is preserved and that to me has meant things like doctrine as well so like there are specific doctrines for christianity and then every synod body whether it's lutheran or presbyterian or baptist or episcopal or united church of christ i mean they all have different ways of fine-tuning the doctrine and i don't know that part i don't know that it felt rigid as a child, but it also didn't seem to fulfill what I think I was looking for as a kid. So I remember, I don't know how old I was, I maybe was like 15 or 16. I have this memory of going to the pastor of the church and like being like, I want to feel the Holy Spirit. <laughs> like I want to like feel that, mm. like I want to have that sense that palpable sense of the divine and I have no idea how he you know like what kind of response he gave me like that's not in my memory anymore I just remember that it didn't, <laughs> it didn't satisfy <laughs> or like it didn't lead to something that I actually ended up ex like that thought worked mm -hmm. so um yeah it's interesting like as an adult now having more concrete spiritual practices like meditation for example that i feel like those practices are actually probably what i was seeking it's in some form as a as a kid and my it's not that christianity can't do that because it does have spiritual practices especially in the catholic traditions but it wasn't something that i was exposed to growing up yeah so it was a super important part of my life and also didn't get fully expressed, I think I'd say in some, in some way mm. when I was a kid. So yeah, what about you two? Mine is like a little all over the place. So I would not describe my mother as religious, but I would describe her as spiritual, as in she believes in a higher power and she prays to set higher power. But she was never into organized religion. Um, I think my mom, I'm a white person. My mother is a brown person. Um, and I think she had very bad experiences from what she has said to me uh, in churches in Warsaw, Indiana, which is where I'm from. Um, that kind of burned her out on being a part of an institution. Um, so also she had me at 16 or 17, got pregnant at 16. So I'm sure that also did not help her feelings around church. So she never took me to church, but she has had conversations about God with me, especially now that I'm older. My bio dad is a Christian, but he is more of a, we will go on holy days. Like we'll, we'll, we would usually go to a Christmas or an Easter service with my grandparents, with him. Um, but I also lived with a lot of people when I was growing up because things happen. And so when I lived with my adoptive great-grandmother, she took us to church and to Sunday school every Sunday at an independent Baptist church <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. Um, my dad would take me to an evangelical Protestant church. Um, and again, usually just on big days, or he joined the choir very briefly, and I was trying to support him in that. So, like, in high school, I would go every Sunday to support him going to choir. Um, sat with my math teacher. That was weird, but also cool. <laughs> she was a cool lady. <laughs> um, and then my grandparents were briefly involved with a um, definitive part of Baptist, Baptist church. I don't remember what particular, or Southern Baptist church, which is... All that in a box of chocolates, I promise you. Um, uh, so they did that for a couple of years also. 
And um, the church my dad went to was an evangelical Protestant church. And then um, I also would, with my step-grandpa, every once in a while, I would go to midnight mass with him on Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. So I'm, like, a little bit everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember I always loved Christmas services. Those were always my favorite. I loved, like, the ritual of it. I loved, like, you know, the lighting of the cameras. I loved midnight mass. Like, the up and the down and the their specific words and the call and response Mm -hmm. and me butchering Latin as, like, a 13-year-old. I loved it. I'm not a religious person now at all. Um, I still really enjoy the ritual of things, um, but I I would not describe myself as religious now. And I but I did have this very odd hod, hodgepodge of mm-hmm. religion kind of stuck together in different spots. What about spiritual now? Like, is that are those the same thing to you? For me, they are the same thing. Okay. Um, so I would say no. I'm neither of those things. Okay. Willow, now you cannot leave the hot seat. Um, I feel like your guys' experience is a lot, like, churchier than mine. Like, I remember, like, my dad is an atheist, like, would never talk about God. And so it's like, that was never even, like, a topic that was around him. But my parents shared custody, so it's like I would only see my dad, like, half the week. And I'd be with my mom and stepdad the other half of the week. I think, so my mom and stepdad started going to a church, and I think this would be about, like when I was in like first grade maybe, and it was because they wanted friends. Mm -hmm. Because I think that like, I still believe this, that like church is one of those like really wonderful places to like get a community Mm -hmm. of people going. It absolutely is. And I I, like yearn for that. Mm -hmm. Like I remember feeling so nice that we knew so many people. But so we started going to this church when we lived out in La Porte. It was one of those like Christian ones where you'd like sing like Christian rock in the morning. Primarily my memory of church is like sitting through the pastor talking for like a couple hours. So boring. I can't think of anything I can remember (laughs) from that. But like mostly it's like hanging out with people that you know. So it's like there's like a youth group. There's like a Sunday type school thing that was there. And so I just remember being like surrounded by people that you know a lot. Because we would also go to like youth group things. I think like that was one day a week. And then there was also like some sort of Bible study, but we would all go over to like somebody's house. And so it was like a full house with like kids and food. And so it just, it was very positive for me. But in terms of like midnight mass and sort of that like ritualized like spirituality, like I didn't have any familiarity with that. My stepmom is Catholic. Every once in a while we would go to like a Catholic service. And I remember feeling so out of place Mm -hmm. because like my understanding of like a Christian church is like singing and people being like free and stuff and then we go to like a catholic church and people are like sit, like saying memorized lines and then they're saying it back to you and then you say it back and you stand up and you sit down at certain points and i remember feeling like oh my god i don't understand this at all um and that was primarily my experience at valpo too like so many people understand christianity there like so many people like understand the bible and it's like that was never part of my experience it was so community-based but I think, I think it was around like third grade that I was talking to somebody at the Laporte church, the super free Christian one, about abortion. And, and she disagreed with me. And that was the first time that I was like, wait, does everybody not think like me? Hmm. And I don't know, like, I know the way that, like, memory gets sort of, like, frayed and jumbled over the years. So I'm, I'm sure that I'm attributing so much more to this conversation than, than it actually happened. But I do remember it sort of ignited this sort of feeling that like, I don't know, like an, oh, like this is, 
it's community, but there's a weird aspect here that, that I don't agree with. It was also around that time that I ended up living with my dad, and so I never went back to church. But we only celebrated Christmas. I don't know, I think it can be a mixture depending on like how your family's doing financially, but like my parents were never married, and so they always shared custody, so I always had like two full groups of family on both sides. So we would do like like a power Christmas Eve and then wake up and go to the other family's house and do like a power Christmas day, and so you'd get like double of everything, which seemed awesome when you're like eight. Other than that, like it was just I didn't have a whole lot of exposure, and so I, I felt really out of my element once I finally came to Valpo University and there was like theology thing, and I was like, oh heck no, I am not taking that. I think I took like Asian Christianity which was like a different flavor of it and I enjoyed that so much more but like that people could like talk about the Bible and like things that happened and I'm like I have no idea I don't have any of that with me I think it's also like the queer thing I equate Christianity with conservatism and homophobia and transphobia and like I know that can be unfair for certain people who are Christian who aren't those things but I think it's so tied together in my mind that I just want to separate myself as much as possible from Christianity. So that's why we stopped celebrating Christmas um, because I don't know, I'm like not into Jesus. Um, and like when you I say don't... we, who do you mean? Oh, my partner and okay. I. Also, she doesn't do anything spiritually, nothing religious. She meditates. She, she meditates, but she doesn't think of that as a spiritual practice. That's fair, that's fair. So yeah, I mean, that's kind of where we were. It doesn't even seem that crazy to not participate in Christian things anymore. But yeah, but now I do like solstice, which I don't think of it as being associated with Christianity at all. And I don't know, it just seems more exterior. It seems greater. It's like about the days. And that seems removed from these sort of like religious practices that I've been exposed to. And so I gravitate there a lot more because I wanted to get excited because I always would get excited about Christmas. But then it's like, it has that sad Jesus flavor for me that I don't <laughs> super enjoy. <laughs> so, but I get a lot more excited about Solstice now. So I, I'm, I'm happy that we have something that's like fun to do together. Yeah, so that's a good transition into thinking about Solstice itself and whether do you to think of it as the shortest day of the year or the longest night of the year or neither. And I don't, Reagan, do you have a connection to solstice as a day at all? I mean, kind of. Okay, so I just went into the big rant about my weird mismatched Christian upbringing. But then also, my biological grandmother was like super into like fantasy esque fantasticalness. So she was super into like fairies and like okay. would tell me they were real as a child. Mm -hmm. Like, seriously, like, like very into it. Um, and I don't really, she died when I was in middle school, so we never had those conversations of, like, where are your lines, which I would be really interested to know as an adult now. Because um, she did also believe in, like, God. Like, she was kind of vaguely, like, my great, there's no way my great-grandmother ever took her to a Catholic service because she's a good Midwestern Protestant. She n would never. <laughs> um, but she, I remember every night, that at least I stayed the night, we would light candles for God, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost. Um, we would light candles for, like, people who had died in my family. Um, like, she was very into that. She was very into, like, 
that kind of spirituality. So from that perspective, I know something about the solstices enough where I feel like I should do something. <laughs> um, for me, the winter solstice, I always try to like, okay, it'll start getting lighter after this. <laughs> but the summer solstice, I always feel like, oh, I should really do something, but I, I never do anything. So I have a, a vague sense of guilt. <laughs> How appropriate for yeah. a vague Christian upbringing. Yeah. <laughs> so what kind of stuff are you, um, what are you doing these days for solstice? And is that a recent practice for you? Yeah, definitely a recent practice. And I would say it's like, I don't know, it's like the way you would practice like Christmas and Christianity. It's like just making it like fun and doing stuff because I think that's what we were intending to do was just like make it Christmas but something that we could actually be excited mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. and so it's nothing like we haven't gone super deep into it um and Erica's not really that interested in it my partner like she's excited about celebrating things but she, do she doesn't care either way but I don't know it's like last year I made candles and so I made this little like sun spread because it's very much about like sun because I typically think about think about solstice as the shortest day of the year, but I don't know, because, like, night always bums me out, so I think of, like, all right, this is going to be the worst day of the year, but then every, like, moment after that, it's going to get a little bit lighter, and so I like the aspect of, like, thinking about sun and sun imagery, and yeah, I mean, it's very, it's very light for me, like, I don't... See, that's where I feel I should be really into, into it. it. I love night. I love the nighttime. If this is an opportunity to celebrate nighttime, mm -hmm. I should be so into this. So I don't have any uh, like particular tradition for solstice. There was a time when I was really interested in uh, Wicca and like goddess religions. And so I think at that point, this was in my 20s, I'm in my 50s now. Um, like I was trying to do something very, like some kind of ritual on the day. And that might've been also true for all of the sort of Wiccan holy days. It's mm -hmm. basically every two months for the Wiccan calendar. And actually, honestly, like I, the last, I don't know, 10 or 15 years, I feel like it's at the end of the semester is always as a faculty member, a, like a crush for me. Like it's lucky if I even remember to think ahead about Christmas for like family members and stuff like that. So I often don't even recognize or remember, oh, today is the solstice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> When I do, though, I feel like I have some kind of connection to it. I think because of in my 20s, I was really looking for a spiritual tradition that wasn't Christian. In my 20s, I was just enraged at institutional organized religion and rejecting it with my whole entire being. <laughs> that feels familiar. And so I, but I loved the ritual that I experienced growing up and the Lutheran tradition that I was raised in was very similar still to like the Catholic mass. So we had a liturgy that, you know, everybody, we'd done it every Sunday. So it was memorized and it was like the music would carry you through mm -hmm. and, you know, like, uh, evangelical Christianity has impacted Protestantism across America. So by the time I was graduating from high school and like starting to come home during college, um, my parents' church had started having like the traditional service on Sundays for the old <laughs> people. And then like contemporary service was starting to become a thing. Uh, like my sister who's 14 years younger than me, I think was pretty shaped by that contemporary service. And 
to me that's just feels so odd mm-hmm. like in my body that's not how I I don't the word worship is kind of weird for me like it doesn't take me into worship the way that the liturgy used to mm-hmm. so anyway that is to say that one of the reasons I was attracted to Wicca is it's all about rituals and mm-hmm. spells and things like that and it and and the ritual of the year which actually Christianity does have, depending on which tradition you're in, um, like the high Protestant churches like Catholicism and Lutheranism and Episcopal... Episcopalian? Anglican? Anglican, I think, is Episcopal. Anglican. It's a, it's, yeah, Anglicans, they've got bishops and everything. Yeah, right? and I think that there's a sense of the year and even some like monastic traditions will have a sense of the hours of a day, like as a... Holy hours. Cycle. Yeah. yeah. So I love that that sense of life having these moments of, like, as we move, we can recognize, we can pause and recognize, like, how we're moving. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, feels very much attached to the actual, I'm looking out the window because I'm thinking about the world, you mm-hmm. know, like, the body of the world and our solar system, the way the moon and the sun um, spin and how earth spins on its axis. Mm -hmm. And so it's a connection to life in this embodied way, which was not my religious upbringing when I was, yeah, by the kind of Lutheranism I was raised. So I'm still really interested in that. And I think that there's a part of me that feels like I benefit when I stop and pause because I think American life and maybe not just American, maybe it's contemporary life, which is so driven by accomplishment and like Mm -hmm. you sort of value yourself by how much you're doing and like you get your feathers from like how hard you're working and how exhausted you are Mm -hmm. and like if you have you feel rested I I should just speak for myself if I feel like I'm taking care of myself it's like embarrassing to share that with people like I'm somehow not working hard enough anyway I so like I think in part like in participating in that for the last like 20 some years I don't stop and recognize like it's even happening for me now it's the end of a semester and I'm already starting to worry about not being ready for the spring but I just turned in grades. Like, mm-hmm. you know, why not like really <laughs> just celebrate that before the whole like, okay, now I can take up a new project. And I, so I feel the lack of that kind of recognition, which I think some, some spiritual traditions have more mm-hmm. paid attention to because they connect it to the, the cycle of the year or the cycle of a day mm-hmm. or something like that. So... Yeah, I was excited to see that we were going to be recording on um, the solstice because I thought maybe it would be a way to recognize this day and get to talk about some of the stuff that I haven't talked about in a while. So Mm. this is WVLP and this is Listen Up, Welcome Project Radio, Allison Schutte here with Willow Walsh and Reagan Skaggs, and we're talking about... um, how we were raised spiritually or religiously or not and connecting that to solstice and starting to think about some of the value that maybe we get from thinking about light, thinking about dark, 
Um, I mean, Reagan, I'd like to hear more from you about the night and what it is that you love about the night and what maybe beyond it being the hour when you're most awake. Is that true for you? Are you a night owl? (laughs) I am not. I am a chronic insomniac. I don't sleep well. And when I do sleep, it's not very long most of the time. So that is just, that's been a lifelong thing. I've never been very good at sleeping. I've always been bad at sleeping. I don't actually mind not being able to sleep a lot, if that makes sense. I mind it when it starts, like, really interfering, like, when I'm getting no sleep or, like, an hour of sleep, then I, my quality of life begins to take a downturn, but for the most part, like, I like being up at night and it's quiet, and I'm not a huge person who likes quiet for the most part, but I, I like that this is, like, my space. I'm, like, usually the only person who's up at, like, 4 a.m., Um, and I can do, you know, not that I even need to do anything, but that I, I have that space and that like sense of brief ownership of a space. Um, cause I've always had a big family, which I love. Um, and I love the noise that a big family makes, but yes, like there's also like, okay, so there's nobody in the kitchen right now. Mm. I'm just going to cook something. Like there's nobody (laughs) like vying for the bathroom right now. I'm going to take a really long shower. So I think that's definitely part of it, but it's also just like, it's interrupted time. Nobody expects to take up your time at night. Like during the day I have obligations, right? Like I need to, when I was in high school, like obviously you go to school, um, you need to like make food for yourself. I worked in high school and did a lot of extracurriculars. So my days were really packed. And then in college, it was the same thing. And then now I don't have nearly as many commitments as an adult, which I have a love-hate relationship with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I do need to work. I need to feed myself. I live with a family right now that is not my, like, um, bio family, but, you know, lovingly a family. Um, so I have obligations that I would like to meet with them. Like, I like to be able to, like, help clean or help to cook or help do whatever needs to be done and then I go to work but then still like that time at night is just for me I just do whatever I want I read a book I watch a movie whatever I want because it's nighttime and it's just for me (laughs) this is WVLP LP at 103.1 FM in Valparaiso community supported radio also streaming live from WVLP.org We rely on donations from individuals, businesses, and other organizations in order to continue to spread the word that ongoing, volunteer-driven local media leads to a better community. Please consider supporting this station by visiting our website, wvlp.org backslash support. Donations are tax-deductible. We'd sure appreciate it. Willow, (laughs) what about dark for you or night for you? Do you have associations strongly any way with Yeah, I mean, I think for myself, I always thought, like, night was my thing. Because for the longest time, I felt the same way. Because it's like, during the day, you'd go to school, you'd go to swim practice, you get out at 7, go home, you do your homework. It takes up, like, your whole day. And so by the time you're at night, it's like, that is the time that I get to binge watch Battlestar Galactica or The Good Wife. Like, that is me time. And so I always loved nighttime, and I was always, like, an insomniac, too. Well, not, like, an actual insomniac, like you are, because I'm insane. But... Like, it just, I would, like, try to spread that as far as I could that nighttime, because I'm like, that was all me. I could do whatever I wanted in that time. I started getting, like, a panic disorder in 2019, and so from there, like, so beforehand, I had, like, my 
my moon tattoo because I was like, it me. I love the moon. Mm. I love the night. But then I started getting really panicky at night. And so now I'm a sun person. That's my sun tattoo. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. For me, like sun is always like, that's my driver. That's like, uh, if I didn't stay up all night, which I still do. And then I feel terrible because I'm not enjoying myself at night. If I could like wake up at like 4.30 every day and like start my day and just like exist in the entire sun space, like that's when I have all of my energy for the day. Like that's when I can clean. That's when I'm like, all right, I'm going to run this errand, this errand, this errand. Like I'm going to do all of these things. Like I never feel that way at night. Like at night is always like a decompression time. So I don't know. I just feel so like energized by the sun. And so that's why I always think of solstice as the the, the least amount of sun I'm going to get this year. I don't know, I just like need it. I can feel myself this time of year just like getting more sad or just, I don't know, it's like harder when I like look out and it's 4.30 and it's pitch black outside and I just, I hate that feeling because it feels like it cuts my energy away for the day. But yeah, much more a sun person nowadays. Yeah, I think that I, um, maybe because when I was interested in Wicca and like old goddess religions, there's this sense of wanting the feminist tradition, the contemporary feminist tradition of wanting to reclaim the darkness as like a place of power and something that has been, uh, I don't know, demonized is too strong of a word, but like the dark as like a scary space as opposed to like a generative space, like soil. Mm. And so I feel like this, there's a part of me that wants to love darkness, like as a countercultural move, but I just need sunlight. Like, so as I've been getting older, that I think that's been getting more true. I was never a night person though. I mean, in high school, I think I stayed up later just because I don't know if that's a teen thing or if it's like what your peers are doing or whatever, but like I never have been able to do anything at night like if I need to write or be creative I need to be doing mm-hmm. that in the morning mm-hmm. so I've always been a morning person in that sense but um that didn't mean sunlight to me and now like there's something very particular about sun and even like taking a moment to sit in the sun if it's coming in through the window or just soaking up I don't know if it's like the literal vitamin D or if it's also symbolic of something else. Um, I do think that the night and darkness can be reclaimed for its pause and its generation, like the seed part where the soil is holding and containing the thing that's going to come to be. And I don't think that our culture honors and recognizes that enough Mm -hmm. because it's so focused on the growth and the productivity. Um, But I, I think it becomes hard to actually do because our society doesn't change. So we have our like, it doesn't matter what day of the year it is, we have the same mm-hmm. habits of being. So you get up, you commute, or you walk to work or drive to work or whatever, and then you do your work thing. And I guess it's not always the same time of day for people because some people work third shifts and all that kind of stuff. But, like, whatever shift you're on, it's every day or five days a week, um, minus whatever vacation you get. But there's no, there's no like... 
Natural Why rhythm. don't we do less in the winter? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like if we actually had productivity in work and civic life that matched the seasons more, maybe it would be fine that it was getting dark at 4.30 because we would be already going into our little caves, mm-hmm. you know, and getting cozy <laughs> with our families and just resting. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but some people are doing biphasic sleeping now. Like, I just watched... I have no idea what that is. (laughs) (laughs) This this YouTuber, he, like, always tries things out for a month and then, like, tells people about it. Like, quit sugar for a month or get up at 6 a.m. every day for a month. So he tried, like, biphasic sleeping. And what's really interesting is that it worked for him. So for him, it's like... It, it can mean biphasic sleeping could be a lot of different things from what I understand. But, like, there isn't a set time. But it's essentially, like... Go to bed when you're tired, as soon as you're tired at night, and just go to bed. And then when you, if there's a time when you wake up in the middle of the night and you feel like, okay, like I could go back to sleep or I could do something, you decide to do something. And so like he would get up at like 2 a.m. and like work on something. And so he would like, I don't know, he was writing something, he was like writing a song, he was doing some editing, and then he'd get tired around like 8 and then like finish the rest of his sleeping and then like get up in the afternoon oh, and sort I of do repeat that. that. I, I don't necessarily know about like the hyper-focusing thing that happens at like 2 a.m., but I think it's really interesting about like that sort of like, you know, like night being this sort of like generative space mm-hmm. that it could be, like not just a recharge, but also like a, a creative time. But yeah, he said it was like really easy for him to like get up at two and like hyper focus on something, like actually yeah. get work done. Yeah. And then he would get tired and then go back to sleep. Yes, and then that makes perfect sense. He's a genius. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it works. Yes. But the thing that was keeping him back is like he got out of sync like with his partner. Mm. Yes. And so it made it harder. Which and is why instead you're an insomniac. It's not as easy to just, like, start doing. Because, like, there's so many different things. We don't things. live in a very flexible, which you were just touching on, Allison. We do not live in a very yeah. flexible society. Do you have attachments to the sun? Yeah, I love the sun. In the summer, I'm an outside lady. I'm always trying to get Will to take walks with me. Will she? No. Other <laughs> <laughs> people judge me right now. <laughs> no, I love, I love the summer. It's my favorite season. I love the hot. I love being outside and doing things like all day. I, I will walk everywhere. I love the sun. I love summer. I love the heat. I love everything associated with summer. I love like, we always would get like watermelon and like stupid, like nasty Kool-Aid. <laughs> now that I'm an adult, I hate it. But I still love fruit. So, you know, eating like fruit that's like hot from the sun is like a whole different thing. Mm. Like my mom, until recently, has always had like a garden. So like I would eat tomatoes like right off of the mm. thing. Like running around. Um, I hate shoes, so I love being barefoot, Like, and that's a summer thing for me. This is WVLP 103.1 FM in Valparaiso, community-supported radio, and also streaming live from WVLP.org. This is Listen Up, Welcome Project Radio, and I am here. This is, I am, Allison Chudy, and I'm here with Willow Walsh and Reagan Skaggs. And typically, if you listen to our show, you know that we play a story from the Welcome Project archives and we talk about what we understand to be important for the storyteller and then connect it to our lives. But today we thought with it being the break for many of us from the ordinary because of whether it's Hanukkah or Christmas or other holy days, we would also break from our typical pattern and talk about um, our own connections to holy days. 
So we've been talking a lot about solstice because that is what in fact today is. And I wonder if we have more to say about that or if we should start shifting to another topic, like other parts of like family traditions for the Christmas season, because all of us at least were raised with that as our main religious mm-hmm. tradition. I mean, mm-hmm. you already talked about that a little bit, Willow, having dual households and getting the two Christmases. Um, I don't know, do you have, did your family have particular? I was also a child of divorce. Um, well, your parents were never married. Yeah, no, I was a child of divorce, um, and it's weird because both of my sides cut my mom kind of has a big family on her side there's like my grandma was adopted and is my adoptive family is white and i'd like to be clear again i am a white person but my mom and my grandmother and my aunt are not white people um and then when my great grandma died that has caused some issues um in that respect so i would say maybe i don't have a big family on my mom's side now Mm -hmm. but growing up i did um and then my dad's side also has like a big family so i had i was child divorced big family so i hated christmas and christmas eve hated it um christmas eve was usually for my mom so we would go to oh god (laughs) we would go to my great aunt's son so my great my cousin my first second cousin a cousin of some form (laughs) who is so much older than you you just call him uncle because you don't know what else to do (laughs) um and he would host a christmas thing and we would go to that and then my great grandma would want to do christmas at her house so then we would go to her house and then we would do something with my mom at her house and then we would go to midnight mass um, so like, like a progressive Christmas experience. This is all in one day. This is all in one day. Okay. And then the next day my dad would get me and, um, we would go to his big family Christmas. And then once my step aunt moved to the area, we would go to her Christmas. And then we would have something on that, like with my dad that day. And then we would go to a Christmas service. Um, and this is going to sound, I don't mean to sound greedy or uh, bad, uh, but you do get more presents. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the thing is for my family, I hardly, because of various reasons, I hardly ever saw a lot of my extended family. They did not know me. I did not know them. So the things that I would get would be like, you are a generic, you're a girl. Here's a teenage generic girl gift which is a very nice thought like they were trying right and especially as an adult I appreciate and respect that but as a child is so disheartening or like as a teenager is so disheartening to be like wow I know none of you people and that we're related and I'm here and then like you have to eat at everybody's thing or they get upset or maybe I think that's a midwestern thing that might just be my family I don't know so then it's like you just feel sick and tired at the end of the day and like you have all this stuff that like you don't know what to do with but you're trying to be grateful but also you're like man this sucks <laughs> and like, so I just I had like literally depending on the year like 8 to 10 Christmases to go to or 8 to 10 Christmas like things to go to hmm. and I just I did not enjoy that hmm. and I still don't generally enjoy it I like buying people things for Christmas but I've yet to find a Christmas tradition or Christmas traditions that like work for mm-hmm. me that make me happy and not like frantic just as a 
I don't know that where that <laughs> popped into my head. Did you have an advent calendar ever? Did you ever no. get to do advent calendars? Oh, wait, like, that's a lie. When I lived with my great-grandma when I was little, we had an advent calendar. She had an old-fashioned one that, like, either she or her mother had made. Oh. And it was, like, felt. And, like, it had sewn-in pockets. And then my brother, because it was just two of us at that time. I have another brother now, but he's seven years younger than me. Um, so he did not exist yet. And we, we would take turns opening the pockets. And then if we could, we would share the candies. Because my brother and I were really gross as children. And we have weird twin brains. So we would just take a bite of something and then give it to the other one. Right. Very sanitary. Um, but yeah. <laughs> you were nodding, Willow. Do you also have Oh, yeah. Stuff? My grandma made an advent calendar. It's a little Santa guy. We never put anything in it. I never thought to do that. But you you just, should do something for the cats. You just moved it. Well, so that's the problem is that the cats like the advent calendar oh, a little too much. Okay. So that we have to keep it put away. Got it. But you just moved the little Santa guy in the pocket. Yeah. Oh, I see. I see. So it wasn't you were never taking anything for the day, but you were just yeah. moving Santa yeah. along. Mm-hmm. And, but I did have, like, a great-grandmother had made, like, um, an ornament, and it's, it's out of this material that some people make for, like, tissue boxes. It's, like, a plastic thing that you weave yarn in, and something yeah, just, like, sturdy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay, so she made, like, an ornament out of that, and you, like, press the cheeks, and, like, its mouth would open, and there was, like, a piece of candy in there. Oh, my God! <laughs> And one year I ate it, and my dad was flabbergasted because apparently it had been there for like a oh, long time. <laughs> <laughs> I but, love that yeah. for you. <laughs> but yeah, like that's like that's how mine was too. But I think it's also like I was an only child, so yeah. it's like I would have ten Christmases, and I'd be the only child there. And yeah, like, it's fun to buy for children. So. No, it is really fun, especially as an adult. I love buying for like my little cousins. Like, oh my god, guess what you're getting this year? It's Operation, but it's with the shark body. Parent too, because I'm like I'm gonna buy you something so destructive, and they're gonna oh, be see, so happy. Like you get see, like listen, the, like the flubber, the slime. No, oh, no I'm too like, like that's not my house. No, no I'm not a parent. I would like one day like to be a parent, but I'm too like oh my god, is this good for their brains? Like no, we can't do that. Do we have Montessori toys? Like I'm bad. <laughs> How is this gonna help their fine motor skill development? Willow. <laughs> There might be something about slime. There might and be. And motor skill development. I know, but then I would make them make it with me. Yeah, fair. I want to be the crafty ant. <laughs> we got Erica's cousin a little, he has a little toy vacuum he's too, and Aww. it sings Baby Shark, and he loves it, but I hate it, because it just sings Baby Shark all day. <laughs> Why did you have vacuum sing that song? I have no idea. Like shark? It's no, like... it is just a mini little vacuum oh. that sings it, but he loves it. Does it actually vacuum? It actually vacuums! Oh, yeah. It's okay. his that's so funny Hmm. well my experience was very different from yours in the sense that the it was always the one family event on christmas eve and it was always at my parents house and because my grandparents also lived in the same city as my folks they would spend it with us so we would always do there was when we were kids we were in the Christmas pageant or the Christmas concert. I think when I was young, it would have been on Christmas Eve. I feel like that started changing where they started doing it the night before or something. But I, well, I don't trust my memory, but in my memory, <laughs> it would have happened on the Christmas Eve. It would have been some service. And um, then my grandpa, no, my, 
I think it was my dad that would drive us kids around and he would like take us the long way home so we could look at the lights on Mm -hmm. the houses and stuff like that because Santa, we were giving Santa time to come and put... That's cute. Mm. Uh, the presents <laughs> under the tree, which is why I th- think I thought it was my grandpa that was driving because it was my grandpa that was being Santa. Like, mm-hmm. he would have gone to the house ahead of time and put everything under the tree. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then Christmas Eve was the day that we would open all of our gifts. And then parents would go back to, like, for the midnight service. And then, like, that was, like, kind of a rite of passage. When you got older, you could go back. Mm-hmm. I remember doing that for my grandma and, gra- and my mom, at least. So Christmas Eve was like the magic night, and then Christmas Day, I just remember like being, I actually we would have gone to church the next day, like in the morning, but I have this feeling of like the sort of wreckage <laughs> the night before. Not that we would have left everything out, I'm guessing my mom wouldn't have allowed that, but I just feel like you see, I can see all like all the mm-hmm. open boxes, and there's this sense of like, it's not underwhelm. But, you know, like, Christmas Eve is, like, the build-up yeah. to everything, mm-hmm. and then it's the day after, and mm-hmm. there's this sense of, like, I don't want to say it's, like, is that all there was? Mm-hmm. Like, this feeling of, like, is that all that was? Yeah, we were just excited to open some boxes <laughs> and some paper. If you take your time to deconstruct anything too much, you're like, life is nothing. I'm doing nothing right now. And then it's a spiral. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe it's some sense of, like, um, like objects don't actually give you fulfillment in some fundamental way. Mm-hmm. And when you're a kid, that's what you are so, like, fixated on mm-hmm. is the gift kind of thing. I remember feeling like, because I have, there's five, of a, five kids in my family. I'm the second oldest. And so I have this memory-ish of like getting to be maybe 12, 13 and feeling like I was outgrowing, like just waiting to open presents and starting to feel like, I don't care about presents anymore. Like, mm-hmm. you know, this is like that. This is like more like about it being a religious moment as opposed to like something mm-hmm. about um, presents. And I wouldn't have thought about consumerism at the time because I was not like a savvy 12 year old. But yeah, just feeling like there was something in me that wanted to elevate the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know that it was very well grounded, but... <laughs> I mean, but that, that's, you know, that's still valid. You know, it's still a valid sensation, a valid desire. Yeah. You know? I do love candles, and I love... Candles are so good. Yeah, the thing that's so hard, because we live in a, a world that's more safety-inclined, mm-hmm. like... We, if you know, Liz and I will go home to my, my parents for the Christmas holiday and we'll go to the Christmas Eve service and they'll pass out the candles and they'll be the little, like, battery lit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know, it's like, not the same. Oh. No. Just I... that passing of the flame. Like, this is how it was when I was growing up, at least. Everybody would get, like, a very, very narrow taper candle and you'd have, like, a paper... Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't get the wax on your hand. And then the ushers would go down the aisle and light the first candle um, for the person sitting in the pew. And then you would light it from that person and the lights would like spread mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. the aisles. And what a beautiful yeah. image and also practice. And I always felt like we had to blow the candles out too soon. Like it was yeah. like kind of, we would do silent night for the hymn at that moment. And 
Um, they would turn the church lights down, of course, and most of us knew that hymn well enough that we could do it either by candlelight or without a hymn book. And so you just get that. There's something, I don't know what key Silent Night is in. It's probably in a minor key even or something like that. So it's not, you know, it's not like uh, Beethoven's, oh God, I'm going to show my ignorance here, like Ninth, you know, Ninth Symphony, which is like, you know, da, 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 da. You know, it's like quiet and calm and mm-hmm. contemplative. And then the light, the candles are spreading and people are singing together, which is such a, I love that, like singing together. Mm-hmm. That happens in so few spaces outside of churches. Yeah. No, that's what I miss from churches. I was talking about this with one of my friends who grew up kind of Catholic, but then also Lutheran, because uh, parents were different. Yeah. Um, and we were talking about how we both missed Mass, which I didn't go to nearly as many Masses as she did, obviously, but, like, the ritual of it and, like, you know, the... I don't know. I, the, I, I like ritual. I do. I really, really like it. I miss it a lot. Um, and it wasn't as present in a lot of the Protestant spaces, especially the Baptist spaces that I occupied relatively frequently as a child. But we both missed, like, the ritual, and we both missed, like, church potlucks. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. I loved church potlucks. It was my favorite because it was, like, almost always in the evening, like, after everything. And, like, I did a lot of... My grandparents helped out a lot of the church, so that meant I helped out a lot of the church. And, like... We would all go, and then everybody would bring food, and we would all have food, and we'd sit and talk together, and, like, you could just, like, go around, and, like, I always loved that, like, specific people always made specific things, and, like, you couldn't, no, you can't bring that because Jody's gonna bring that, (laughs) and, like, it was so special. Like, I remember this one, this, (laughs) there was always a church lady, she was always really proud of, like, her, um... It wasn't Kool-Aid. It was, like, some other drink. Mm, like a it, punch kind of Yeah, and it was way too sweet, but yeah. all the kids loved it. So I remember even as, like, an older child having to drink this, like, excruciatingly sweet, like, fruit drink because this lady was, like, so happy, and she knew that when I was, like, seven, I liked it. So every time I came back to church, I was, like, 14, like, trying to, like, just choke down this, like, fruit drink and this old lady. Like, I love that. I love it. And, like, I miss that a lot. Hmm. I think I've told... Willow this before because you've asked about the spiritual religious stuff in the past but um when I started teaching at Valpo in 2005 um like I was at that like I hadn't been participating in Christianity since my 20s so maybe it had been like 14 15 years or something that I was not even considering myself Christian and just to keep the story short, like I ended up going back to the chapel. So for those people who don't know Valparaiso University, we used to have the world's largest collegiate chapel. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know who's now got that title, so I think we're the second. <laughs> but anyway, it's a really big space. But the, and it's like very high church in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something really... I don't know, I was going to say prestigious about the space. That seems like not quite the right word. It's and not I, the word they would want you to use, but it is also the word that I would reach for. Yeah, and, and I know it's alienating for a lot of people, yes. uh, students that attend. And, mm-hmm. I, and I also know that there are a lot of students, especially coming out of more evangelical traditions, that feel like the service itself at the chapel is very alienating. It's too ostentatious for the hardcore Protestants, <laughs> and it's not ostentatious enough for the uh, hardcore Lutheran and Catholic students. It's a weird little mix. 
but it is very pretty. But the actual service they do on Sunday, for the most part, I, I and maybe this is changing again, I don't know, but um, when I started going back to the chapel, it was like going back to the service that I was raised in as a kid. Mm -hmm. There were some changes in there, I mean, or maybe it wasn't, like every Sunday wasn't exactly the same, so you couldn't have memorized the liturgy necessarily. But it basically followed that whole pattern. And I remember my body just having like this visceral response as if, like I would say it was like a, this sense of coming home. Mm -hmm. And I and like I would start just crying. And I was like, what is going on? Mm -hmm. and like, and, and it was strange because like there's the analytic brain that was like so critical of the language that was being used in terms of like whether it had to do with doctrine for me, which I was just like, this is like the least important part for me of religion, or if it was just language that was still very masculine oriented. Mm -hmm. And so I could get into that headspace. Um, but like the rest of me was just like, I love this. <laughs> and it was yeah. very confusing. Mm -hmm. um, I still think it would be worth studying. Like how does the body remember these ways that we were shaped as kids or not shaped depending on whether you had a religious tradition and if it's not a religious tradition are there other ways the body is shaped or is the body shaped even if there's not a tradition like mm -hmm. is it then shaped by a kind of chaos or something i don't chaos is probably too strong of a word but yeah anyway so i continue to be like sort of fascinated by that like what is it about human being and maybe human bodies that absorb are drawn to a space that is shaped by liturgy or ritual well there is a little spot in your brain they call it the god spot really yeah what is that i don't know what that is it's just like i mean just like everything in the brain they don't know everything but it's just like a spot on your brain like when you have the sense of a higher power thing huh. uh, that feeling that people get of like divinity oh, or whatever yeah. it like lights up so there is a part of your brain for that. Yeah. I also was like, I never felt like the Holy Spirit or whatever. Like, I remember seeing people speak in tongues in front yeah. of me. Yeah. And like, because they were so like, quote unquote, overcome with the Holy Spirit. Or I remember people like legitimately saying that they like thought the devil was trying to stop them from something. Like mm -hmm. they could feel that. Mm -hmm. And I never had any of those sensations. But I never had any like actual sensation of what I would say was like divine and I do think, like, my God spot, like, I do think that was, like, activated at different points in my life for different things, but very rarely associated with church. Hmm. Um, but when I was coming out of the, okay, I'm not afraid of hell anymore. Do I actually, like, think any of these things? No, I don't. Okay, time to move forward. I strongly considered, like, converting to, like, Judaism mm -hmm. for a minute there. Do you have any memories of your God spot? <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's like I feel like I've sort of, I don't know, I don't know if renounce is maybe too strong, but like renounced Christianity and I don't like vibe with that anymore. But there are times and it's like I feel really like scared if I'm like having a panic attack. In that moment, I feel really scared. I mean, I still, I, I like, I, I still think that like God is there, even though I don't believe that. It's just like, but I don't know if it's this sort of like, conditioning that I've grown up in is that there is a God and so it's like as much as you want to sort of walk away from that idea like that's sort of the context that your parents kind of put you in and so as much as you want to be like I don't agree with this I don't believe in this like I don't know I still feel that like sort of connection I don't know 
I mean, people joke about that all the time, though. Like, I remember I was reading this one post, and it was, like, the first time I ever rode in a roller coaster, I felt the atheist rise out of my body. <laughs> like, stuff like that. People say that kind of thing all the time. Like, you're allowed. But also, like, if you become religious, I'll still love you. But, like, <laughs> you're allowed, I guess is what I'm saying, to, like, have that sensation in fear and panic. It's common, because you're right. It's partially culturally conditioned. It's partially because you got a weird little funky spot in your brain that says, hello. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's something in us that's always reaching out beyond ourselves, whether it's, like, we often have talked about it as community or neighborliness or something like that you could also think about it in the spiritual tradition Mm -hmm. but i like i think when those moments of panic or fear are not necessarily like cheating to feel like you need something bigger than yourself to hold you Mm -hmm. well like i don't think it's an accident right like it's actually maybe one of the gifts we have from those darker moments that we're Mm -hmm. actually reminded that we're not just the small self that we think we are yeah well i was reading yet another karen armstrong book um, and she was talking about how like religion has been so part of humans from the very beginning and the way that she was contextualizing it that really like hit me was like you are a human even like very ancient humans are built essentially the same. Mm-hmm. Your brain still has spots for empathy. Your brain still has spots to understand. Like you understand what life and death is. You have a, a certain cognitive level. Just because people couldn't read back then doesn't mean they weren't basically the same. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. When you see people like back in the day and that exist currently that are based off like a hunter society or hunter gatherer society, there are all these rituals around hunting because they understand that they are killing a thing mm-hmm. and they need to do that to keep them alive. But they understand that that thing is in pain and does not want to die. So in order to keep like, depending on the culture, like the bad juju of killing something off of you or to honor the thing for the life that it is going to give you and also understand that you may be in the position of giving life to something else, you have to honor that that action or you have to honor that animal or whatever. And like that just hit my brain. Well, thank you for joining us today. Um, please check out WVLP's full schedule at WVLP.org. We personally highly recommend Morning Black, which airs live every Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Building Leaders and Cultural Knowledge is a platform for discussions surrounding the concerns of race and ethnicity, and Morning Black specifically addresses concerns within and about the African American community. The program is underwritten by donations from members of the Northwest Indiana African American Alliance and their community partners. All right, well, thanks for listening, and thanks again to our sponsors from Asana Yoga Center at asanayogacenter.com and Roots Market Cafe at rootsmarketcafe.com. Both are also open for business at their locations downtown on Lincoln Way. Visit their websites to learn more. We here at Welcome Project Radio love to support our local businesses. And you can find us online at welcomeproject.valpo.edu and wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to support WBLP and our show, you can make a donation by going to wblp.org support.